podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody. We're back with another episode, Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to give you more knowledge, more information, and more love, as I always say. We have a wonderful, incredible guest today. His name is Nathan Cooper. He's a visionary artist and the current creator of the Idolas art series. We're going to talk to him just a second, but I have to just take this very brief, very brief time out to say this one thing. I need you, all of you listening worldwide, 24 countries, follow me on Instagram. I think they have Instagram worldwide. At midnight underscore on underscore earth. If you go to that, follow me. We're going to build the numbers. We're going to get the information that these wonderful guests are presenting out to the world. We're going to share it. We're going to spread it. We're going to raise the frequency of the human with all this positive, positive, loving information. Go to Spotify, follow us as well. Just go ahead and go to your other podcast listening platforms, whatever they happen to be, Apple, Google, please follow us. And of course, the most important thing is please, 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 please (laughs) tell a friend, tell a friend, people, you know, that love these wonderful enlightening topics people you know that are into these types of conversations let them know about this podcast midnight on earth don't forget the comma midnight comma on earth tell them without you without the word of mouth it's just going to be that much more work i need your help i need you to be my army of love be my love army out there spread the word now we're going to talk to the incredible visionary artist nathan cooper I'm going to read his bio. Okay, Nathan Cooper, like I said, is a visionary artist and the creator of a current series of works called Idolis. He also hosts a autistic psychedelic online Zoom meetup. Idolis, you know, it's a series, like I said, an art series, and it represents the exploration of self and unfolding manifestations of the mind. Now, This is what Nathan Cooper says about himself in his bio. This is his own words. Through my arts, I aim to evoke the feeling and effable nature of a visionary experience at the intersections of shape and color. Many hidden images emerge. Each represents the exploration of self and the unfolding manifestations of the mind. This is about, this is about Nathan right now. He says, I have autism. I was diagnosed with complex PTSD from childhood. And as a consequence, I had ceased to create art for nearly 30 years. A visionary experience exercised much of the trauma he carried from childhood. I carried from childhood, giving me a new life. It brought an immediate and significant reduction of depressive and anxious thoughts. I suddenly was free from a torment of mind that I wasn't aware existed until it did no longer. I was renewed with energy, free from those thoughts, and for the first time in my life, I could appreciate myself. 
Those were Nathan's words. Those are incredible words. It sounds like an incredible experience. And it says one more thing. He says, another experience a couple of years later unlocked the ability to create the art that he creates now. It isn't deliberate, but instead flows through me. I have from my mind an infinite source of content to draw upon and it excites me to create and share with others. This journey has renewed an intense passion for life, creativity, and experience. Wow. Nathan Cooper, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you, Jake. You're very welcome. Kind of got me. <laughs> Just hearing you say that kind of gets me kind of a little emotional because uh, I don't know. I, I've seen that like I don't know how many times, but um, it still gets to me how impactful, I don't know something that I labeled drugs during the eighties, <laughs> like has just profoundly affected my life. So, um, yeah, thank you. It was kind of nice hearing that from another perspective. Well, it's your <laughs> wonderful words, but it is you speaking. We are all one, you know? So in a sense, I'm just a reflection of you. I'm just saying your words back to you and it is you is so powerful and i bet it's also powerful to think that you use those substances to like you said exercise the negativity from your life and become something better i'm sure that was incredibly powerful yeah it's something that uh, kind of like i said i i didn't realize um kind of things that i had been affected by for nearly uh, all my life uh, uh, until, you know, I had a psychedelic experience and I didn't have uh, any psychedelic experience until much later in life. I'll be 46 later this month, but it was about when I was 40 um, that I, that I first did. And, uh, and, oh, um, kind of, that was an LSD experience. And I, that was probably one that, um, it, I mean, it was, it was significant. Uh, I didn't, um, I didn't have any expectation going into it. I wasn't terribly familiar with psychedelic literature. I was a uh, very frequent cannabis user, but um, I hadn't like dabbled in psychedelics or been familiar with it. And so the only description I had when, when um, I was, uh, had the opportunity to do that was that, well, it might be like a strong uh, high and uh, couldn't be, <laughs> it couldn't be further from uh the truth, really. Um, in fact, <laughs> it was so much uh, more. It sounds like, yeah. In fact, as it came on, um, I I've been dabbing or whatever, and I have like an email set up. It's it was pretty fancy, and I remembered, I I don't know. I had taken it, and for whatever reason, maybe because I swallowed it instead of waited, it took about three hours to come on. Um, which now I know is was quite a long time. And um, and I even wrote it down because I was kind of talking with a friend as it was happening. And I just said, well, I took this. I remember at a point, I, I even timestamped it, went back later to check it because I ended up kind of live blogging this trip, if you will. And uh, it was about two and a half hours. I just said, well, I'm going to a dispensary. It's like I had planned to be, get high. Um, that, that evidently isn't happening. So I'll go, and I was like, well, I'm going to get high regardless. And anyway, between somewhere between then, about, about another hour, I was home, and 
it was just like fireworks went off and it was very sudden um but it was it was peaceful and it was gentle and uh i don't know it was it was uh, so you had a good experience so that's a good you know i oh yeah it was it was spectacular one thing to point out is that you know timothy leary timothy leary wasn't exposed to lsd until he was 40 years old and so it seems to be one of those things that comes into their people's lives it's a sacred number 40 some people consider it a divine number perhaps there's something to that point in your life when you attract those big quantum leaps of development and for you it showed up as psychedelics as lsd which took you to your next phase of life. But I want to back it up a little bit because I want to learn more about you. Mm-hmm. Let's back it up. So you were diagnosed at some point in your life with autism and complex mm-hmm. PTSD. How long did you live with those conditions or how long have you lived with those conditions? Uh, well, about, I don't know, it was about 15 years ago now that I was, uh, diagnosed with complex PTSD. Um, I just, yeah, got out of a, a relationship and just for the first time, this is before I'd ever used cannabis or anything, but um, it was just my life to that point. And I, I didn't know, I also did not know um, I was on the spectrum. I, I, I thought I was um, quite aware that I wasn't, uh, or that I didn't always fit in. Um, with groups of people, um, I mean, I've been bullied and whatnot, probably as a result of that. But um, the complex trauma, I didn't get a diagnosis for until late in life, and that um, I was around when I was 30. And um, it was challenging. I mean, it it helped in the sense of putting a label on kind of the experience I had as a childhood, which was abused by my father over a significant portion of my life. And um, and, and I should say that that abuse was mainly, it was only really like mental and verbal. And I think um, I only say that because to later highlight how psychedelics kind of changed basically some of the... uh, Yeah, some of your brain chemistry, some of the, some, pattern. Yeah. Some of the emotional stuff and, that comes out. And, you know, just to, to just pause you for just a second. Um, so you have these issues. What are some of the symptoms of autism? Because clearly we know post-traumatic stress disorder is caused by external environmental situations. But what about the autism? Like, what are some of the symptoms that you experienced? Um, autism, by the way, is genetic, and though I don't know which parent or parents I might have inherited it from, or perhaps you can skip a generation. I, I, I don't know like the specifics of how to get it okay. other than it is that. Um, but as far as characteristics, for me, it's probably seemingly distracted, I think, to a lot of people. Or just see, it has probably a lot of comorbidity with ADHD-type symptoms, like seemingly distracted, yet at the same time, I can be like as focused as a laser, like beyond um, distraction, which in itself is kind of, I, I would say, probably more than anything, if I had to say of, and um, for me, that's probably the big characteristics. My focus is so much that I miss either either cues 
situationally from people, or I'm just so into my own thing that, you know, an amount of time, whether it's hours, uh, days, weeks, might go by before I think of or respond to, I don't know, a thing. So it, sure. it makes relationships challenging um, because I have to actively kind of remind myself that I need to check in. I mean, if for people who check in on me, it's, it's wonderful, but it is easy without any <laughs> negative intent to just get kind of seemingly self-absorbed. And I've been referred to that um, a lot, but there, but, um, and yeah, I think, I think it's namely socially for me. It's hard for me to make eye contact even on Zoom sometimes, but um, I have hypersensitivity to light. Like I pretty much have to wear sunglasses in any level of natural light, um, which a lot of, as a got I was into like the Gus scene growing up and I was kind of probably envious of a lot of people in it because <laughs> I, I legitimately wore sunglasses. Well, what about the, uh, like the, the evening? What, um, what about the psychic aspect, like the empathy, the sensing other people's frequencies, sensing other people's vibrations? What, did you experience any of that? I, I do believe, uh, in, in a different way than say, I have uh, a couple friends who identify as highly empathic, and I think I am, but not necessarily. I think sometimes to someone's emotions, it's hard for me to kind of kind of feel that. But there, there is a sense, there's like a quality of a person. I think that I, I can feel beyond like how they might be expressing it. But genuinely, like if someone is, you know, sad, down, or whatever, I, I do, am receptive to that. And to, and in a strange way, and it, <laughs> I mentioned before, it sounds kind of like woo, but a lot of my the people I know who turn out to be autistic or neurodiverse in some way or another it's i have a seemingly like almost like natural friendship like like a connectedness that you know i could talk to similar to how i'm talking to you it's like just a feeling that you know somebody respects what you're you're saying or or whatever and leaves you like a space to say be yourself whatever um which i think you know um people on the spectrum do. It's hard to be a fake person on the spectrum as much as people talk about having a mask to participate in society. Your genuine self is usually, it's usually you do that only because people might find that your natural inclination to be, as it is, has been put to me, blunt or, uh, you know, like say, I don't know, I've been told that I say too much or speak my mind perhaps too often or inappropriately <laughs> at times. But, but, but well, it so is, it sounds like there's a... No one has to... Sounds like there's good and bad to it. There's there's some yeah. things that's a struggle to deal with, like you said, relationships. But then sometimes there's aspects of it that seem to give you almost superhuman perceptions and and skills, or not just superhuman and, I, and naturally human, but in a different way. And yeah, and I would like to. Um, I, I don't mean to. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I have to talk about myself to say it, but um, I, that is kind of one of the reasons I wanted. To, I started. Um, I'll probably get to it, uh, but I started a meetup group within Portland Psychedelic Society for people on the spectrum, and and namely because you know upon being diagnosed with autism, I also realized it had a lot. Realized it has a lot of beneficial characteristics that for me, being a 40 plus year old person working in like deep tech industry, and I work for like I'm lead product designer to um, healthcare tech startup here in Portland. That's renowned and i think i would only be in that position 
um, I, I think in, in a large part, I owe my ability to still be kind of competitive or even kind of at, at working at a high level is to some of the innate qualities of autism, like how I think, how I'm able to focus, the types of kind of thoughts I have. I'm, as a product designer, I also do a lot of user experience uh, research and kind of um, evaluation of people using, say, our product or other experiences. And I think um, being hyper aware to things, I think, makes me kind of have a good eye for how people interact with things. That well, I think it's kind of like, like uh, quantum thinking. It's like quantum thinking. <laughs> You're able to stretch out and put your uh, thinking mind in multiple dimensions, probably more than the average person which increases your value to these companies. They want highly intelligent, highly creative people that have access to this higher levels of information. They know exactly what's going on, and they know that because you're able to access that information, you're an incredible asset to their company. I'm sure they love having you around. But besides the fact you seem like a really cool guy, like I'm sure the fact that you're hyper-talented really helps too. It is, and I should say to that point, not, not everyone, and although we'll see, I, not everyone I work with does know that I have autism. It is something that I still think is in some respects a stigma. I mean, people um, I, people I've worked with directly or whatnot, or people I feel more comfortable with sharing that that don't know me, say, only as, I don't know, their coworker. Um, I have told that to you. But even, but for people who've known me a long time, there's some that I haven't because I feel like, I don't know, I feel different now. It's hard to talk about how I am after psychedelics and and having been diagnosed with autism late in life. It's hard to now tell somebody, hey, those things that you felt was annoying about me, I'm on the spectrum. And, um, you know, that's just how I am. Like where people might thought like I was, I don't know, like uh, aloof or whatever, or I don't know, didn't wasn't into them because I'm like so self-absorbed my own thing where I didn't have like an explanation for why I was that way. But now I don't know, it doesn't, you know, help someone here necessarily, but at least say, Hey, this is sorry because I have autism. I don't like, I, I don't think less about myself, whereas I might've been, I, I was aware, like, the thing is, is that it's not you, it's your body, right? You are the light mm -hmm. being in the vehicle, the body. So, if people's vehicles, cars run different ways and have different functionalities, more power to them. We need a diversity of functioning vehicles doing different things. If every vehicle functioned the same, like just think of the cars we drive. If every vehicle was a car, yeah. we'd be having problems. We need cars. We need trucks. We need, we need trailer trucks. We need all these different varieties of vehicles because they all have a different function. Our, the light being the essence of us is the same, but in the different vehicles, sure, they function differently. They all have a specific function and a purpose. No one is better than the other. The stigma should be gone. It's just weird paradigm-based judgment that makes no sense. At the end of the day, it's just human-created, right? It's just humans deciding things are a certain way and then deciding how to react to it. It, it really has no meaning. No, I, yeah, thank you for, um, <laughs> thank you for saying what should be apparent. Um, and I, I did want to, I, I did want I didn't want to touch on one thing you said right before, um, I did respond in the, and about being kind of useful to an employer. And that, that is true. And I know people might have different feelings about like that statement, but there are some, there are advantages to that. And, um, I just wanted to mention, and I don't mean to, um, 
make this as much about being on the spectrum, but um, there, was a, there was a 60 minute special at the beginning of the year that was about the big four in tech industry, Google, Microsoft, Apple, and Facebook that were considered that kind of the big four. And they, the program was about each company's specific recruiting practices for people on the spectrum. So anyone that has autism, they do recruit and they interview and do a lot of things differently. And that actually, that segment is kind of what prompted me to change kind of the, how I presented kind of the meetup group from one that seemed like a support group only for people that are disabled to one, you know, that, yeah, it's a support group perhaps, but it also allows people to like <laughs> well, celebrates yeah. like the good things. So. It, it, it makes sense. And, and if you think about the big four tech group that you just said, they're looking at everything as, you know, I only imagine that they look at everything like com- everybody's a computer. And they want the most high-functioning quantum computers at the head of the pack because those are the ones that are going to produce the most results. It's, it's not how I think. I love humans. Like I'm not looking at people as robots, but you think about the tech guys, and that's really how they process information. There's a human element, but that's not how they're, they're looking at sheer numbers, production, frequency of production, and all the different things that are going to correlate to their growth in a really mathematical sense. Yeah, and I, I, I guess in, in a lot of ways, I was fortunate that one of my special interests, and this is a term you might have heard of people on the spectrum just have varying, like, intense interests in different things. But I was, I guess I was fortunate that um, maybe from being into video games as a kid, it somehow transitioned into working in tech, because a, lo- a lot of people with autism, at least according to that documentary in 60 Minutes, are, are simply don't have... Uh, employment and um, and I, I could see that I could see how if I was into anything else it, it would be I, I could have had a very different very different life very easily if I didn't find something like I don't know you found was. a niche like it's kind of like if you were an incredible guitar player um, I, I don't know one of my favorite electronic music artists um, I love electronic music one of my favorite electronic music one of the greatest of all time He's a person who has Asperger's syndrome. His name is Savant, um, also known as Alexander Vinter. He's from Norway. Creates the most incredible electronic music you've ever heard in your life. He has Asperger's syndrome, which is even, like I think it's a harder version of um, autism, like harder to deal with. And he's able to map out an entire track in his mind and then just sit down and, and just do it, like map it all out. It's already done. And he knows just what to click and how to do it and where to line it up. And, and he, he has this incredible output of music. So it's kind of like that. You found a niche where you can, that's in a place that's where there's growth, where there's, there's development, where there's energy. And you were able to apply yourself there. But then there's the other aspect of your life, which is the autistic meetup group. And also your incredible visionary art. I mean, I don't want to gloss over that because it's absolutely incredible. I just want to talk about that. So can first, I uh, say one thing real quick? Oh yeah, to, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, to, to something you mentioned about Asperger's. Uh, Asperger's is something that's not used in the, and I only learned this recently, but, um, but it's not a term used in the U S anymore, but still in Europe and Asperger's as it is. It, it, typically it is what would be described as a high functioning autism. Usually oh, okay. uh, for somebody that, that is say less, I don't know, maybe they have more, I hate to say exceptional qualities, but different, I don't know, um, 
enough to be self-sufficient and whatnot because I, I um, you could very easily you know, not be and uh, it's and in the US the DSM5 which um, it, it I think within the past 10 years just put them together so I don't know if it has huh. like gradations of autism but Otherwise, if it had still existed, Asperger's would have been effectively high functioning. High functioning. Okay, I thought it was the other way around. Something like that. But still, it's I it's so. uh, it does seem to activate some creative downloading ability where your spirit can somehow tap into that creative field just a little bit more efficiently, a little bit better than other humans. It's it's really interesting. But I want to talk about. So in your bio, you talked about. An experience you had, a visionary experience where you exercised much of the trauma you carried from childhood. So I would like you, if you don't mind, to tell us that story. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of what I was um, beginning to mention. Uh, that was that LSD experience about five years ago, and um, and what began as something that you know I, I thought it wasn't, uh, I wasn't going to get me high or <laughs> wasn't working. Then I went to a dispensary to make sure that I got high that evening because I planned to. Um, I it, it suddenly came on about three hours late, and um, and yeah, when it did, uh, to something immediately to me because the the quality of it was not the experience. Just I felt uh, to I'll describe it in detail, but to sum it up, I just felt like it was I was experiencing. <laughs> literal awe like it was i don't know it was just so fantastic now the dose however was um a little more than moderate um i believe it's 500 micrograms um well that's like a double i would say that's a double dose the average one's about 250 okay and anyway it was enough that between it and the cannabis later um (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was it was pretty much a complete dissolution of self and like uh, coming back to it. But but as it crept up, I just remember, and it's it is kind of fascinating considering how intense I guess it might have been perceived to be. To, and when I describe it to people who aren't familiar, they're like, "That seems terrifying." But to me, it was absolutely just fascinating. And I guess I'm thankful for that because I was at home, kind of by myself at the time. And uh, I never felt like uncomfortable out of sorts, but but I also, I mean, it really, I don't know, could have just driven me crazy, really. But it was just, there was just an intense, like, outpouring of just rainbow, like, like color and uh, just geometry and like rigid geometry. It started out pretty subtle and I'm going to use a description if anyone's familiar plays video games. I do quite a bit. Uh, there's a video game series called Bioshock and there was a third in the series called Bioshock Infinite. And it describes like these parallel universes and in during the course of the game, you can see other sides, other universes through these things that they're called tears. Basically, it's like if you took this we're looking at you just cut the fabric and you could like peer through the other side and that's kind of what as this experience was coming on i saw like these just it looked like a hole just ripped through i don't know what the the fabric would be but essentially just ripped through and through just my field of view and there was 
turned into like Swiss cheese. And it looked like there was, I could see through it. I could see beyond it. And beyond it was just this expansive field of like geometry that was <laughs> like the deep. I, so I've been a 3D artist in games and, uh, and whatnot. And so maybe that influenced uh, um, some of what I was seeing. Um, I play a lot of video games. Maybe that's it too. I listen uh, to a lot of you know, well, you know, I'm I'm going to say so. it's uh, it seems like uh, not necessarily. You know, of, of course, every LSD experience specifically is kind of a singular experience, but people have described similar experiences. I, I personally experienced similar things where you bust through the third dimension, the veil thins, and then you're able to push your perception is beyond oh, yeah. vision, push your perception into this other dimension, which it's like the backstage of reality. It's just this other place. Uh, yeah. And that's, um, I think, and that's what I'm fortunate for, I guess in some way I remember it still as vividly as I do. Cause I was typing this in this chat to my friend and like, as it was happening, I was saying, Oh man, talking about like the geometry and whatnot. And it was kind of like you described. I, I told her, I said, if I relax my mind and it was weird how comfortable I was just with this as a concept, cause it just felt so natural, but it's really bizarre now that just thinking didn't freak me out. But I was like, if I relax here, I said, I'm literally leaving. And I said, I can enter this space. And I said, I can see it. It's like, I could like kind of look around Kind of, I felt like I could anyway navigate it. But if I, as soon as I wanted to focus and talk to her, it felt like a rubber band got like snapped back to me and like I'm back in myself. And I was like, okay, now I could like say type. But if I relaxed, it felt like I drift away. And it really felt like, I mean, I could feel, it felt as if there was a physical sensation of lightness or something just like, like drifting. But, but wow. I mentioned, I never really, I never really played with that because. I, I really wanted to document this. So I was like, this is out of this world. And maybe, I don't know, it would have been, it's always in my mind, like what would have happened if I would have just kind of let that go. But um, <laughs> there was, uh, there was, um, that was for about an hour or so. And I remember at one point during it, I had to go to the bathroom, went to the bathroom. I looked in the mirror and I was like, uh, I'm not going to do that right now. I'd heard some people had varying like opinions about doing that, but ultimately later in the uh, experience I did and that's kind of when I just as I described kind of went out <laughs> and then came back but I was just fixated kind of looking at this mirror and um, I don't know it, it is interesting to me now how some, I've been I've heard many times people are like wow it's I can't believe you did that or whatever but I think that's the most fascinating thing and for a lot of ways, even though it sounds like really selfish, I think for my own trauma, it, it was really. <clears throat> so what um, was it about that that affected the trauma that 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 was it showing you that there's more to this world and this dimension, that there's something that there's bigger than the human experience? What was it to you that that kind of released you? Um, there? I think it was because I had just terrible self-image all my life, it's like. They use what people describe as shadow syndrome, feeling like a fraud, even though I know I'm talented, that I'm just not enough. Or I just had all these thoughts like constantly. And I had really bad like anxiety, but I never acknowledged because I didn't know, you know, what not having anxiety was like. I just thought it was like normal. 
and uh, I never had a period in my life where I didn't have it, had it. And then like, so I didn't know what it meant to come on. It was just persistent. And uh, I think looking in the mirror, seeing like the character in my face, I mean, the man of the way it just manifested in a just an impossible number of shapes or variations, a texture, light. Um, sometimes it looked like rigid 3D polygonal geometry, like super high, high highly detailed uh, uh, mesh. And I say this because, again, like to reference video games, it was kind of like every vertice and like wire on it was just like gleaming gold and like light was uh, coming off it. But I just saw my face, like my character really, and just all these fantastical ways and i think I, I think me seeing myself like spectacular like that changed um so you saw your your spiritual self you saw, my self-image yeah your light body you saw the divinity what i think is you saw your own divinity the divinity the eternal you that's beyond this specific incarnation the internal you you saw that beautiful radiant infinite being and it released you from your current very temporal trauma, like all of our traumas that we go through in our lives. And, and so many, I have dealt with traumas in my life. Many people have dealt with traumas in their lives, but we have to remember that for whatever reason, it's a part of our script. It's a part of our story. It's what we signed up for, but it's also a very temporal experience. It's not permanent. It's going to be over so fast. And when it's over, you're going to understand every aspect of it. And when we have experiences like what Nathan's describing, then you, you, you remember, you get like a little glimpse and you can bring that back. And that's what heals you. And that's what heals Nate. That, that's what healed you. It sounds like Nathan. Yeah. I, um, that went on for a bit and, uh, <laughs> there, there's some, um, there was just so many other aspects of that experience that or that, that I'll probably wrestle with for the remainder of my life in terms of like what supposedly I was kind of witness to. It sounds <laughs> weird, but I mean, it, it was just, it was utterly fantastic and uh, kind of literally draw, jaw dropping. Cause when I went, there was a moment like I said, I'm, I must've like just kind of, I don't know, completely dissolved, but I do recall feeling like from a, from a distance, I was watching this like play out and that was probably for about, I don't know, 15 minutes. And then, um, so that was the, I remember just, yeah. And I remember just going to black kind of, I clearly remember like I was suddenly, I went from being kind of in the back of a room behind me to kind of not being able to see opening my eyes. And I had tears like faucets turned on running out of each eye, which I, I wasn't even aware I was, I've been crying and I kind of, I didn't, I don't know if I shouted something or whatever, but I just. You were, it seems, it sounds like you had some kind of auditory release. Like you, you screamed. Yeah, just, just kind of, of let out. Yeah, exactly that. It was like super raw and I hope to not um, see that, uh, if, like maybe feel something that intensely again, necessarily. It wasn't in a bad way and I didn't even. I wasn't even like conscious of it happening and just, and, but that quality of it, I, I feel was like an exorcism because when I woke up the next day, you know, I, I mentioned I had like always had like a storm of thoughts in my head. 
um, which I now know is anxiety. Not to say I don't have anything anxious thoughts at all now. That's not true, but it reduced the volume from like 11 out of 10 to like something I can manage now to like a one or a two. And I think, and I, I feel that because I don't have to process and like mentally all that uh, anxious thought, I think that's how I have kind of energy from this experience now because I don't have to devote that energy to like. Well, you found the good in it. So you're able to actually gain from it instead of something that's draining you. It's actually turned into a battery that's powering you, which is what we can do with every negative experience. All the best personal development people out there, the people that are doing lectures and really teaching people will tell you that like you find the good. And all these bad experiences, no matter how bad they are, there's some kind of good that can flip the frequency, change the polarity, and make it an experience you can gain from. But so that's just the beginning for you, though. Sounds like that was your first experience, but that wasn't your definitely wasn't your last. No, but I do want to just say one more thing. Oh yeah, go ahead. So what happened? um, You know, I (laughs) it was weird how I, I. I wish I could know exactly how quick like, the transition occurred. But prior to that, I listened, I grew up listening like electronic music, namely like goth and industrial music. Artist Skinny Puppy is like one of my favorites of all time, kind of from that period. It's the only tattoo I have is a logo of theirs. <laughs> and, um, the, uh, and I'd listen to other like drum and bass, a lot of other stuff. And um, it, that is a huge horror movie fan, but something about like that, I'm not saying I don't like that, but and it sounds weird, but like darker content, maybe because that's just been all that I had in my life, was just kind of not as appealing. And a lot of stuff like techno that I grew up with, like drum and bass, I'm a massive drum and bass fan. And uh, like now, and I think a lot of that, the energy of the character, like drum and bass, I think is reflective of like the energy I have now because of the psychedelics and like the mood of that music, I think was kind of that person. I can still like it a lot, but, um, but it also changed like the color of my attire, really. I used to dress like Neo from the Matrix all the time, pretty much monochromatic, black, gray, <laughs> head to toe, and I dress have like things every color of the rainbow now and i it just felt like well it's a frequency it shift. yeah and it felt like i was finally felt good enough about my own self to feel like i could express like any quality that i might not have before i don't know um i just things that just simply never would have occurred to me like this purple hoodie i have on or like things that actually that are appealing now uh i, I don't know no, it's, it's it, I mean, well, it's, it's shift, it's sounds brilliant. like it, it changed your frequency. It shifted your actual, we're all electrical beings, all matter. We all know this. Everything's made out of energy. Matter can be stripped down to energy. And there's even the pre-energy, which is infinite intelligence. You could say it's God, whatever. We're all made out of God. But the energetic level, we're all just energy. No, it's exactly that, I, I believe. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say it was because of that experience. Um, again, I was kind of really, I was into like cannabis deeply, but I wasn't into say psychedelics. Despite having grown up like in a like techno rave scene, like as a kid, I was, ex- I, had op- not, I had opportunities to do that, but I didn't until later in life. And, uh, but what I was going to um, 
crap now. I was no, it's lost. okay. It's okay. Uh, I actually remember what I was going to say. I was going to say, it's okay. We're having fun. People were having a conversation. Yeah. We're two incredible <laughs> humans having this very real conversation and you're just sitting with us around the world. No, you changed your frequency. You changed your vibration. We're all vibration. When you had that experience, it, changed the dial on your radio station it brought you to a new place where you feel like felt like expressing yourself differently you were no longer a gothic monochromatic person you were expressing different things you were feeling different things it's really interesting how you can do that you can really shift your core frequency and and for um to touch a bit on um being autistic i realized and this is true of cannabis too. I knew the first time I got high that I had a different emotional quality that I seemingly never had access to. And it was made, had made me kind of like feel softer or more connected to things over time. And I don't know, kind of with psychedelics as well, I think both are good, at least for my own self as someone on the spectrum for having, I don't know, a little more easier access to connecting like that way. I hate to say it's a crutch and it's not necessarily, but it is effective at least like the emotional quality, my experience is a little uh, on a little higher frequency, no pun intended if I'm high, but the, <laughs> um, but like psychedelics, I think made me realize that, you know, I, I think part of the trauma was what was holding me back being kind of having a higher vibration too, if you will. But yeah, for sure. Um, but what I was going to say about the, now I realized it was, it was after that experience. And again, I wasn't really connected to, or very informed about psychedelics much at all at that point that I, I was just absolutely astonished what had happened. And I had to then just find out like who else, <laughs> something like this had happened to. And I ended up on, yeah, found like the LC subreddit and then a lot of psychedelic reddits and then Airwood and all sorts of things. And just, that was my special interest for a while. I was like reading about that. And I, I was like, I need to talk to somebody who's had a similar experience. And then long story short, that's how I ended up kind of meeting PPS. And I honestly do not know how I found out about that group now, really. I I did <laughs> forget to mention, strange. I did forget to mention to people that you are the art director of the Portland Psychedelic Society. Last episode, the episode that was recorded before we had this conversation was with the president of the Portland Psychedelic Society, currently Casey Mitchell incredible episode incredible lady lady it perfectly segues into your episode of being you're the art director of, and i didn't even know that prior to this episode i actually had no idea that you were uh, a part of pps so it's just really funny that that synchronicity people right remember episode a few, few episodes back that episode of synchronicity remember people synchronicity so here we are again with another synchronicity so i want to talk about uh, your art a little bit so when when did you discover that you had artistic talent where you wanted to express yourself in an artistic way? Uh, so it's kind of interesting. As a kid, I was a very avid artist. I drew a lot and significant, like a lot more um, than I do now. I was just obsessed. And um, it's kind of goes <laughs> really is it's kind of core to that story but when my parents separated it was just something that you know i, I kind of lost um lost interest in i think because you know i didn't have like a household that celebrated that anymore um quite the opposite i was told basically it's like 
kind of why bother any effort to do that? It's futile. It's like, it's not going to make anything of it. Even though my father's creative himself, you know, I've never, and, and, uh, and I, I don't, um, I don't mean to exaggerate this, but I've never heard any, a compliment of any kind about anything that I created and quite the opposite. Like I should just not, not invest time to do pursue anything really. And at a point it just kind of is how I identified. And, um, I pretty much, like I said, stopped creating art. Now I had a big interest in video games and kind of when the original Nintendo came out, that kind of definitely, that had definitely had an impact me creating art, but a lot of it was basically, and among a lot of it, basically any pursuit I wanted to do, but art was something I was innately talented at. I was just told I couldn't or shouldn't or yeah, why should never bother. And, uh, and so I kind of stopped, but I've worked in careers where I've been kind of creative. I've worked in the game industry. I published a mobile game a few years back in 2014 and won an independent Android. Nice. What, what's it called? What's the game called? It's called it's called Sheared. I'll see if I can find it on YouTube at some point. Link it to you. Uh, is it is uh, it still on the Play Store or uh, is it still on the Apple download? It is not, but okay. um, <laughs> I don't know. The trailer is pretty cool. But it was a game you <laughs> shear sheep, you collect wool, you make yarn crafts, nice. you operate this clipper, and I don't know. It was it was, uh, it was pretty neat. But um, the but I, I've done I've done like graphic design and whatnot, but I never I think my I've always wanted I think I don't know eventually I relegated myself to idea of I'll be a designer because I didn't have any vision of my own anymore and for a long part of my life I think I was and probably how I developed a talent and a way of thinking about too is that I I just copied stuff because I figured well if I can't validate anything I made I can copy somebody's stuff and somebody to appreciate that at least because I don't know it wasn't me and um so I had like kind of mechanical ability to some degree that I kept up, but I was just simply never motivated to create anything. And again, I've worked in creative careers, but I, um, I never, with the exception of that game that I worked on, I always felt like I was creating someone others, someone else's vision because I didn't have one. And uh, that that LSD experience just something ignited that I had uh, an iPad, iPad uh, that I then only used kind of for development stuff at work that. Um, I got a copy of Procreate and there are a couple other apps that I just, I was just doodling then. And, but it was something I was actually inspired to do even that, um, which you know, I didn't think much of it and almost put it down for a while. Cause I thought, well, this, I, I mean, my opinion of that at the time was like, ah, it's not art, but somehow I it just stuck with me. It's like, I, I, I liked doing that. And, um, so kind of to segue into uh, the the evolution that I had some like crude mandala-ish, well, I'd say crude now, it's more simple art than kind of was on my website. And um, about four years or maybe three years after that LSD experience, I had one and only DMT experience I've had. And um, that is what I believe uh, unlocked like the art that i make now there was yeah tell me more about that let's hear about that yeah there was um so did you smoke it or or what was your yeah it was uh it was with um 
kind of a vaporizer, like a nicotine vape, but it was well, it was, I don't know, engineered well enough. So it was pretty effective. It was effective with two hits. So. Wow. Um, yeah. They're, uh, they're pretty common now. At first it was like this really rare thing uh, a few years ago to see DMT put into the e-cigarette vape pens and that people also use for cannabis. I actually use it for cannabis sometimes, but uh, I've never tried the DMT vape pen. And that's what you're talking about right now. So you took two really good hits off of that. And that was your, your gateway into the DMT dimension. Yeah. And that was, um, <laughs> that was for as wild as that LSD experience was, uh, the DMT one is, as anyone might know, is, <laughs> it, it is its own, it's in a class all its own. Um, and, but between then and between that LSD experience and later DMT, I had been very familiar with like psychedelics and, and psychedelic experiences, pretty much listen to everything Terrence McKenna or anyone who would speak on the subject, um, I don't know, consume it. But one thing, and for that reason, though, I was always cautious of DMT. It's like always regarded as like, oh, you really need to respect this. It was just kind of intense. And, and it was, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was intense. The physical onset I was alarming. I'm a big like roller coaster fan, and I felt like I was on the fastest, <laughs> most intense <laughs> roller coaster ride of my life for like the first <laughs> five seconds. Um, the onset, I just couldn't get over. My friends like, oh, he's, I don't, I don't know, come on, quick! But quick was under like five seconds, and I felt like I had. There's like this ride I say at carnivals, like a slingshot, and you just. Go it just vertically. You're in like a seat, and it just shoots you in the air, and it's kind of bungee. <laughs> That's what it felt like happened to me. So much so that I grabbed like the arm of my um, the chair I was sitting in and just clutched it like for dear life. I thought something was just gonna suck me like in the space. Like um, wow. And it it kind of looked like that. The room. Um, I don't know if anyone or yourself is familiar with, say anyone, like I have an audience, but if there's... Uh, you do have the, an audience, just not oh, in the, um, in the same time uh, continuum right now. Right. Um, the the TV show Fringe is like one of my, I don't know, really cool sci-fi show. I don't know if you're familiar, but it, there's like like one aspect of the show, it's kind of about a multiverse as well, and they can kind of jump between them. And when they do that, there's like this big, kind of bubble forms around the person before they kind of blast off there. And that's kind of what my room looked like. It looked like a, I don't know, this digital bomb like went off in the wall and it, I could, I could just see, I don't know what was beyond it. It was, it was entirely different quality. It really looked, it kind of looked, I would say hyper digital thing. It looked almost cartoonish, like cell shaded, like a border video game borderlands, if anyone's familiar, or just like a cartoon in general. It looked, it had a, ultra high resolution like quality to it really colorful but seemingly really simple to i don't know it was it's kind of weird but um to be honest I, I remember it being like a contained feeling like i was a contained space because the one thing i remember my friend said to me is like if it's too intense for you it's like you can open your eyes or or rather he said you can close your eyes or he's like at some point you probably won't have a choice and anyway, as it was coming on, I thought, man, it, it was, it just seemed intense. It really seemed alien. Like, like it was, 
uh, I mean, if somebody told me I was on board of a, a UFO at that moment, I, I would have accepted. Well, that. you did was, project uh, your, you projected your consciousness, your spirit into another true dimension, into another form of space and, and time and, and, and physics, some, some other place. That's what the DMT kind of does. But you said it did kind of unlock something for you. What did it unlock for you specifically? Um, just the, the quality of my artwork um, just changed kind of okay. uh, immediately. Like the level of detail, the usage of color. Um, it was really kind of immediate. Like I had in the, those artworks that I have um, on my website are, are kind of the first being made kind of after that experience. And and I, <laughs> it, it does sound kind of hokey to say, but I remember just, when I would sit and draw, it felt like there was a deliberate quality. It all It's all like metaphorical, but it, it felt like there was some just, like I wasn't, I don't know, I didn't feel like, or rather it wasn't deliberate. I didn't feel like I was actively saying, hey, I'm going to draw like this dragon and it's going to have like um, whatever these shapes that then combine it. I, I wasn't thinking about it. It just kind of freely flowed. And yet kind of what each... I don't know, peace to me kind of represents just in some way kind of metaphorical for like different psychedelic experiences, but it really just kind of happened. And that, that was within no short amount of time as soon as, a, I don't know, a week or two, maybe it was just like the character of the art just improved uh, the detail, like the line quality, namely the colors though. I, I feel like, and maybe from the psychedelic experience in general, that my ability to see like form, value, like planes of geometry, like planes of the face, if people are kind of any artists listening, um, that I was just, I have like a better understanding, even though I've been kind of studying that for a while now, almost it just kind of leveled me up a bit. Do you feel like, uh, do you feel like that the, the DMT itself kind of helps you gain an awareness that helped you kind of channel this in, that kind of bring it in. And then at the same time, it, it helped you boost your confidence. Do you think that's something that that helped you do as well as part of the unlocking process? Yeah, I, I think that's, um, I hadn't really, I guess thought about, but I think that's kind of fair to say, because it was, um, that experience, unlike any other psychedelic, I think what's unique about it is it, it really does feel like another, another, another place. Like I, um, I mean, on LSD, I felt like I've been in the matrix, but DMT, it really felt to me as if it was somewhere else. And I just want to say one thing. Sure. Uh, uh, what my friend said to me, he's like, when you, he said, if this does become overwhelming, he's like, close your eyes. And so when I did that, I thought, oh, I'll see what that's like, because the onset was was pretty intense. And from other psychedelic experience, I thought, well, at best, I'll see some weird geometry. Um, I wasn't prepared <laughs> for what it was like. You know, it was really like somebody just switched the scene. Um, and what I, because what alarmed me, like, I don't know, in any other experience behind the eyes, if you turn your head, it's almost like the scene tracks kind of with um, with it. Like, I don't know, like you have VR, like, I don't know, like it's just fixed in front of your sure. eyes. But 
in that DMT space, I turned my head and was like I had a VR helmet on. I was in an absolutely contained space. Like it had boundaries and it was navigable. And I was like, as long as I was there, I was could in some way like freely kind of move through this. And <laughs> when it ended, <laughs> the next, I remember the next day, I, I did have a hard time coping with that because, um, I mean, it was fantastic, but I had a, the next day just kind of hit me. I remember, I, was, I don't know what I was doing, something real mundane, and I had a hard time. I mean, I knew it happened. What I was struggling with is like, should I really believe? I, I mean, for the first time ever, I really thought I saw something like beyond and came back. And it was unsettling in a way, not in a bad way, but just that, man, that's really possibly actually occurring all the time outside of our awareness and here i saw it for a brief second and i don't know of course it could all well be in your mind or your mind could be like a receiver to that experience or whatever like some people suggest i think that's quite possible um nonetheless it was just so profoundly different like it's um i mean it's as different and that's yeah, what led you to start doing the idolas. I mean, this is this is the genesis of the idolas, your current series of art. That's absolutely beautiful. You know, if people want to check it out, I mean, it's on idolas, not I Dallas, like Dallas, Texas. It's E Y E D A L A S. Go check it out while you're listening to us, because we're we, we've got more time. We're gonna hang out for a lot longer here, and so go oh. check it out so you get the visual on it. Thank you um, for sharing that. I did want to say related to this, it was kind of weird. It was just um, a couple months after that happened and I made some of these artworks I had, I don't, I don't know how, but someone mentioned to me that Alex and Allison Gray from COSM hosted an annual summit called the Visionary Art Intensive. And, um, and Anyway, you had to be, you had to apply as an artist, you had to be accepted. And <laughs> in, in February, I applied, I sent some artworks, the text from my bio. And in April, yeah, I found out that I was, yeah, I'd been accepted to study yeah. <laughs> privately with, <laughs> with them. And um, that didn't happen uh, this year. It is expected to next year, whenever it's safe to. So you're, you're in the um, books, but COVID kind of curtailed us for people listening in the future. Thank God COVID's over with. You're so lucky. <laughs> but right now in this time space continuum at this moment, we're still dealing with it and it sucks. And it, it kept, kept Nathan from hanging out with Alex and Allison Gray, <laughs> which we'll have on the show eventually. I did get a chat with them though for a fair bit on zoom. And that, that was wonderful because um, I don't know. It, it meant a lot to me to be able to tell Alex, whose art I've been a fan of for a while, but I told him, I said, when I first was exposed to it, I said, I didn't, I hadn't used psychedelics, cannabis even. I said, I wasn't aware of kind of what it was intending to represent. I told him, I was like, it looked like something straight out of Hellraiser to me, like somebody's just skinned alive and kind of that. I didn't understand like the deeper meaning behind it. And I, I, if, if nothing else, I was just glad I got to tell him that, you know, after those experiences, I really see what he was trying to show. Um, Cause I mean, you know, from that filter, when it's kind of interesting when you put it through that filter, it's pretty, it's pretty freaking metal, man. 
You know what I mean? Like, it is, yeah. <laughs> when you don't, you're not putting it through the psychedelic filter, it's like really intense. Wow. You know, and, and you don't think about it that way because if you're a psychedelic person, you're, you're putting it through that filter. If you've been exposed to it already, it's just really interesting how humans, the wonderful human can just perceive these different things in different ways. So did they yeah, seem like, I'm uh, oh, sorry to interrupt you, but did they seem like cool people? I'm sure they're wonderful people. They're going to oh, yeah. be really happy to have you as a part of their next summit in 2021. Yeah, they were, they were wonderful to, um, to talk to. And I, I, I told them kind of much like this conversation started just a pre- pretty bit short bit about, I don't know, my life, how I ended up there. And, um, yeah, we ended up, I, I did show them some artwork. We chat about it. Um, and just a lot about psychedelics in general, which I thought was really cool because, uh, yeah, it's kind of like this conversation. Um, there aren't a lot of opportunities to really talk about it in your life unless it's among people who've had these experiences. And it's it's tough when it's something that's profoundly, I don't know, <laughs> it's just had so many um, it's deep. It's meaningful. You want to express it. Yeah, yeah. And you want to share it with other people and you want feedback too. That's the biggest thing. It's, it's, there's a desire for feedback in, in those experiences. And that's what we learned, you know, about the Portland psychedelic society and Casey Mitchell. They're, they're a feedback point for when you have those experiences and you want other people to talk to. There's all these different groups you can be a part of, including, the autistic psychedelic Zoom meetup. So tell us more about that. So that's people specifically with autism that are having psychedelic experiences and, and they can interact and share their experiences with each other. Um, yeah, I think, and also maybe some who um, haven't had a psychedelic experience, but hear from other, I don't know, from other venues that, um, in some ways that it is beneficial for people on the spectrum. And um, so, yeah, I think they're coming to it because there is a lot of uh, uh, information online. And I I will say that is actually how I came to, I I didn't mention it, but how I came to feel like I should be diagnosed for autism is kind of like an awareness I had after a psychedelic experience. I I kind of dissolved a lot of trauma. I still felt like, you know, it's kind of weird. And I saw like, things on like different Reddit communities about psychedelics for people that who were like, Hey, I'm on the spectrum. LSD's done wonders for me. And I read something like this. It was like a year or two after. And I was like, man, I, every single thing that guy wrote, I could have written it verbatim probably have many times before and replying to people about certain things about like qualities of my experience. And this guy was like, Hey, I, a person, they, they were just saying um, what it is about their own self as an autistic person, like qualities of that and how psychedelics reduce it. And it, it was powerful, it was nearly as powerful as the experience itself. It's like, well, it's a revelation to me that I might have autism. And I, um, again, I mean, based looking back now, I can see a lot of uh, signs for that, but you know, I just in the household, I grew up, I don't know, society at the time, whatever. It's it's not something that was in my vocabulary, so I never really looked into it. But um, you learned how to I adapt. Saw, it sounds like you just kind of learned how to adapt and live with it. Yeah, and I didn't kind of know what I was adapting to or kind of living with, really. And uh, 
And yeah, I just saw that kind of mentioned uh, kind of frequently on Reddit. And just when I, when that message posts in particular, kind of made me think, hey, I, I would like to be evaluated at least, you know, if I'm this way, because something I'm doing, I'd like to know. But if it's if I'm certain characteristics, you know, that I maybe not have a lot of control over, I'd like to kind of know that too. And just helping, knowing kind of that, having that diagnosis, which occurred over about a period of, I don't know, a year of kind of almost weekly evaluations. But nonetheless, just having it made me feel a little better about myself and not as kind of anxious about uh, I don't know, how I present. And and so for that reason, I guess, long, <laughs> big tangent, but that's kind of how, um, kind of my intention for the psychedelic, the, the autistic kind of meetup event by Psychedelic Society is that, you know, I just sharing that I've had uh, some positive experiences and um, allow others to do the same. But I should, um, before I fail uh, to mention it, um, the idea I had, uh, well, in seeing people describe it on Reddit, it led me to kind of research, um, just do some searching my own self for topics of autism and psychedelics. And I found him across an author. His name is Aaron Paul Orsini. He wrote a book only about a month prior to me looking for it called Autism on Acid. And it's about his perspective as a person on the spectrum and how LSD is kind of kind of made his life a lot easier in a number of ways. And we connected and he's attended um, some bar meetup events, and yeah, that's kind of how I came about um, came about it. There, there are many resources um, for adults, really, for people on the spectrum, and certainly not any that are talking about psychedelics, probably. And so, in some ways, it's the first of its kind. But it's yeah, you're a trailblazer. For, <laughs> you're a trailblazer. You're in Portland. <laughs> you're tech. It turns out you're a Portland trailblazer. And I just like to point out that the autistic psychedelic zoom meetup is a monthly event. There's one coming up uh, this Thursday, the uh, December 10th, but it's the first Thursday of every month. Yeah, I think that's when it falls. And um, tomorrow's event is unique in that it is the first artist showcase event. So attendees, whoever whoever would like to they'll have five minutes of time to present whatever their art is if it's performance you know audio visual whatever they'll have a platform to do it and uh yeah so that'll be that will be really cool yeah that's Uh, that's normally it's kind of an open that's pretty amazing you can find out about that on the like i said earlier the idolas.com website but then you put the slash and you write the word blog and that's where you learn about the autistic psychedelic zoom meetup and you're like i said you're a trailblazer there isn't a lot of information about this because psychedelic therapy as we were talking with casey mitchell is on the cutting edge it's the newest treatment therapy we already know as people that have been renegades psychedelic human beings we already know the benefits of it but it's just starting to now come into the mainstream with new studies with with new things in place that are changing the public perception of psychedelics in such a way that it will be accessible to the average person pretty soon. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. It is. It's it, 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 even more amazing is, I don't know, 
I grew up kind of like as a kid of the Reagan era and like just all the stuff about there or whatever. I, I, I knew immediately <laughs> like when I, when I got high the first time, I was just, of course, a lot of people learn really quick, like just how BS that was. Like, how could anyone really, how could anyone have anything negative to say about a person having an experience that good, except that I really, I don't know. You know, it so, can, it, yeah. it, I feel like it's a blessing for you. It really helps you. It also, to me, all drugs, including psychedelics, can be neutral depending on the mm -hmm. intention of the people and where they're at, their frequency. You were looking for growth. You were looking for development. So the love, the light, it came to you. You know, there's other people that just use it as a drug that could just be, you know, you, like it could be any other drug and they don't necessarily get the same experience that you would. Because you were looking for that. Some part of you is looking for that, for that growth. But it's coming. I mean, you know, the Portland Psychedelic Society is connecting people. You can find all the different groups on meetup.com. And then, you know, you want to just learn more. You want to learn more about psychedelics because it's growing. It's becoming part of the mainstream consciousness. So what, what do you think your next series is after the Idolas? Do you have any idea what you're going to do? So you have series one, series two, I've noticed. Is there a series three? What's coming next? Um, I'm hoping to, uh, I don't know if series three might or two might exist beyond like the few pieces I've already made and presented there. But um, what I'm hoping to do, even if it remains a Mandela for the time being, is to try um trying just a different shading style like one thing that's kind of nice about those right now it's pretty it's pretty flat so it allows me to kind of create and iterate them quicker um but i have um i have a piece that i'm working on that actually um i shared a bit of um actually it is on my instagram account which if it's instagram slash idealis but uh the piece is called menagerie and it has like a bunch of just I don't know, creatures or whatever kind of faces. Um, but it's it's shaded as if like each is like, I don't know, geometrically, like a, like a real solid object. It's not flat. So it was an attempt to use like a more, I don't know, realistic style, but also uh, I think just something, things that aren't, um, I, I do like doing like character design and stuff, but I've never really, explored that beyond just quick sketches so what um, about bringing the idolas into the digital realm with your uh you know your your 3d artwork that type of situation uh, that would be fantastic and in fact that is one thing that um yeah was suggested uh yeah for me to like kind of pursue that it could be a good avenue sure that, um, it's so. beautiful artwork. it'd be fun yeah i love it it's beautiful <laughs> artwork uh i want to well, I guess, you know, I want you, you know, we're, we're in our last 15 minutes or so. Do you, uh, you're such a caring person. You're such a loving person. And I just want you to really think and tell someone that has autism, that has some of the things you're dealing with, PTSD, and they're interested in psychedelics, tell that person what they should be looking for. What is something you can say to a person that can help guide them? Um, I guess kind of like what you said, I, I didn't necessarily know I was on this journey, but I was, uh, I guess in some ways I've always been on, yeah, a path of 
self-discovery in some way of kind of figuring out like kind of why I respond that like yeah well just why I've been the way I was and realizing now it's kind of based on experience and whatnot but I think um for someone who's yeah introspective and I, I think people going and having those experiences like trauma or being on the spectrum where you have a heightened experience I think you probably are going to be really really aware and I, I would just say just um, I didn't know what I was the experience I was going to have before having it kind of went into it blind um, so I don't know how I would um, would put it except I would say uh, in spite of my story don't necessarily go looking for that I think from the experiences I've had uh, in psychedelics is that they the experience you need to have will find you <laughs> for sure sense. definitely um and as long as you go in it with that not uh, I, I mean i don't know you experience it however i i especially don't want to put any kind of like framework around around how people have or do these things but i'm just saying from my perspective i think it might have that might have been why it was so beneficial because i know in experiences since where having knowing now kind of what and it might feel like it's not always i mean like there's there's still a lot to be gained but there was something magical about not knowing what i was going into that first time and what made it so special i think so and that was just because i didn't have any preconceived notions like well i just didn't know and i think that is that would be my advice if at all possible um yeah just uh, make a space to just, i don't know be comfortable in a good frame of mind and uh, just see how it goes. I, um, if you, if you meditate or do anything like breath work, Kundalini yoga, whatever, I think you probably already be ready. It would, no, it was very pleasant for me. And so I think for people who, um, and it could give you a new outlook, a new perspective on reality that could like for Nathan, for you change your life. It could really change your life. Well, thank you so much, Nathan Cooper, for being on the show. Idolas.com is the website. You want to go to a shop where it has his beautiful artwork for sale, Society6, the number six, Society6.com, and this Instagram is Idolas. Nathan, thank you so much for being on the show. Super appreciate it. Well, thank you. It was wonderful. We'll see you next week.